What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Podmosh. So, so today we have uh, Mr. Golding. He's actually running for Johnson County Judge. He's one of three or four guys who are, who are running for office here. Um, great and amazing conversation. Again, whenever there's elections like this, I really try and get the candidates on to talk about why them. You know, why should we vote for you to kind of bridge some of the gap in communication that's occurred with local politics and its constituents. Um, so wonderful conversation again, y'all check it out. Um, listen to why we're doing this, um, cause it's important. So hope you guys enjoy. I mean, it came on me just like overnight. Dude, that's funny. Well, Hey, Mr. Golding, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. We're officially recording. I reached out to you a couple days ago, uh, two, three days ago. I said, Hey, you're running for County judge in Johnson County. Um, would you want to come on the show and just have a conversation with me? And, uh, Tell me a little bit about why you're running for county judge, and you immediately responded, and you were like, "Absolutely." We had about a 45 minute conversation that that right then and there, and uh, you have a lot of passions behind why you're uh, running for count Johnson County Judge. I do. Yes. So I would kind of like to know um, you're retired. Tell me a little bit about your backstory. Don't got to go too far, but I do want to know who you are. Okay. Let me let me just start with uh, I'm I'm a native Johnson County guy. Uh, grew up here in Cleburne and uh, went off to college, got a degree in math and computer science. Oh, when man. I went to school, computer science was like the original. Like paper? Geeks, right? It's like, <laughs> what is computer science? Like uh, a whole room full of just yeah, yeah. software so, and computers. So I uh, I graduated and I wanted to pursue an IT, the IT field and I couldn't do it except big cities like Dallas. I went to work for an oil company, and you're right. We had a single mainframe computer that filled a a whole floor of a building in downtown Dallas, a huge data center, but it was one computer. (laughs) Everything was punch cards. What year was this? This would have been in the early 70s. Okay, wow. So I I migrated to Dallas because that's the only place I could pursue my career. And uh, after uh, a few years in corporate IT, uh, winding up as an IT direct, the IT director for a restaurant company, I had an opportunity to get in the consulting business. And along the way, I had picked up an MBA in management and aspired to uh, be more involved in the business running, the management. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, uh, had an opportunity, a consulting company that I was a client of approached me and they said we have an opening for a general manager for a business unit and they, that's a PL responsibility mm-hmm. so i was intrigued and wound up going to work for him. uh what i didn't know because i didn't know to ask the questions the business unit i took over was losing money oh no Oh my gosh! What hey, let's uh, be the captain of the ship that's sinking. <laughs> what do I do now? Well, I uh, uh, leaned on my background in my MBA and common sense, and turned it around. It was a company that was about forty business units, coast to coast. It was one of the smallest, losing money. Three years later, it was one of the largest and the most profitable in terms of margins. Mm. That got me a promotion to regional marketing director for the Western U.S., and we started getting some significant growth there. 
So you know numbers, what you're saying. You have well, a strong background in finance, economics. Well, it's it's I would say it's common sense management. It's professional management. Like sticking to how, a budget. How you how you take uh, an organization and make it work efficiently and effectively. And in business, if you don't do that, you wind up going out of business, usually being acquired. Logically speaking, yes. Right? <laughs> right? In government, you if you're inefficient. You don't have any competition. What do you do if you're inefficient? Simple. Raise taxes. That's what you do. That's the way mm. you solve your problems. Perfect segue here. So why county judge? Uh, well, let me let me just continue that for a moment. Oh, sorry. I turned that around. <laughs> I, tur- the, I took over the West Coast, the West region of that company that was losing money, turned it around. Then a new president came in and said, well, you live in Dallas, but you run the West Coast. This doesn't make any sense. You have to move to San Francisco. I left the company because I didn't want to move out of Texas. <laughs> and I went to another company that was struggling, turned it around, got it in a fast growth mode. Did that uh, a couple of times, winding up uh, the company that we were actually a small company, $20 million company. Three guys owned it. We got it growing fast. They got a quite it was acquired by a big company. And anyway, I chose to leave there when it was a $150 million operation, mm. 1,500 employees and 15 business units coast to coast. I quit. I quit because I had ethical issues with the parent company. They were doing things that were unethical and probably illegal. Mm. And I refused to be a part of it. Is that when you retired? So, no, I just quit. Wow. And, uh, went on to do a couple of other things. And then uh, uh, I, I was able because, frankly, I made quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Those, especially if you're a turnaround artist, and yeah. turnaround struggling businesses, <laughs> ownership tends to reward you well. Uh-huh. So it enabled me to retire a bit early. I've been retired now for nine years. And I have, throughout my adult life, I've been involved in politics off and on. Uh, when you say involved, what do you mean? I uh, started out as a young man uh, frustrated with my congressional representative. Uh, an opponent came along that uh, I liked, offered to volunteer for his campaign. He was a Republican running against a Democrat incumbent. Uh, we didn't win, but I was a precinct chairman for his campaign, and we way outperformed the expectations for that precinct. So the Republican Party in Tarrant County, where I was at the time, asked me to be a precinct chairman in the party there in Tarrant County. Mm -hmm. I did that for a while. And then life started getting in the way (laughs) with kids, kids, soccer, baseball, that kind of stuff. How many kids do you have? Three. You have three kids? Yeah. Um, So I uh, uh, dropped out of that role at the same time, uh, the oil company I worked for had a large political, political action committee in Dallas that I'd been involved with, and I wound up as chairman of the PAC hmm. for, I think it was three years while I worked there. I left the oil company in the downturn. I went to work for a restaurant company running an IT shop, and that's when the consulting came along after that. So I, I've been a, kind of a turnaround artist, turning around money losing businesses and in business 
you can always generate more revenue and cut your costs and you can make more profit and you can survive and you can thrive. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of acquisitions. We'd, we'd be doing well and other companies not doing so well. We go buy them. Well, see, that doesn't work in government. You just <laughs> raise the taxes. Yeah. Uh, I would like to bring uh, my skills in uh, – uh, and along the way, let me also add, I worked for a couple of years as a management consultant specializing in operational efficiency. A lot of administrative work is what I'm seeing that that – where companies have been sinking and you have a mind for efficiency and how to honestly seems like stick to a budget and manage your resources well, which is exactly what government does not do well. That's uh, that's a fair statement. Is that kind of a, a, a that's a fair synopsis? Statement. I, I, what I would have? say that uh, uh, every struggling business I took over had one thing in common. Now there were a lot of different factors, but the one thing they all had in common was operational inefficiency and low productivity. <laughs> I turned them around, and I very seldom had to terminate any people. Yeah. When you can turn it around using the same people, it's because there's a management issue at the top. It always seems like there's a status quo that nobody wants to shake. Like, this is the way we've always done it, so we're just going to continue doing this, even though times have moved forward and the company isn't. There's a lot of truth in that, but what you find at the worker level they know what needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. Go talk to them. So do you? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The The big company I ran, I used to, uh, I'd fly into my operation in Philadelphia. I'd walk in and uh, I'd ask the receptionist, can you get somebody to cover for you for 10 or 15 minutes? Let's chat. And she said, but you're the president of the company. Yes, I'd still like to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, I talked to the salespeople. I talked to the managers. I used to, uh, I'd go out and have lunch with uh, three or four of our consultants. That scared the bejesus <laughs> out of the management, in, you know, in Philadelphia, well, Seattle, wherever it was. You, you want to go talk to the consultants? Yeah. Well, we'll get one of our man. Nope. It's just me and the consultants. You know, uh, so we talked about JPS mm-hmm. when I worked at JPS for five and a half-ish years. Robert Early is the CEO there. He's been there for three or four years, I think, maybe maybe longer. Um he would come down, CEO of JPS, right? He would come down from his high office all the time. He would come walk the floors, every floor in the entire hospital. Everybody knew Robert Early. He would make breakfast for every floor. He was like a legit server. I would see him push uh, patients in wheelchairs to <laughs> different places across the street. Um, it's that same mindset. He, want, he wanted to lead by understanding what's happening at the nurse tech um, floor level and he did it very well and that sounds like what you're doing it is and it's uh it's much easier to <clears throat> grasp what's going on at the lower level when you talk to people yeah. who are actually doing the work yeah. as opposed to having it filtered up the chain uh-huh. of command uh at first that was uh it made our people uneasy <laughs> but when they found out there are no negative repercussions uh over time it got to be uh, Dwayne's coming to town He's going to want to talk to some consultants mm. and they, they just say, which, which account do you want to talk to? Well, I want to go talk to the guys that are at uh, Kraft Foods. Well, that's a rare mindset. Okay. What made you have that mindset? Because I was one of those guys. I and was a worker. <laughs> one day you're like, I, I will never let this happen to me. And I always wondered why, um, uh, 
we didn't have the opportunity to talk to more senior management. Mm -hmm. You always talk to your supervisor yep. or your immediate manager and everything got communicated up. Mm -hmm. And you know, the old game of start a deal around a circle mm -hmm. and see what you get at the end. And it's never what you start mm -hmm. with. That's what happens in organizations. That doesn't mean people are bad. It doesn't mean people aren't doing a good job. It's just the way people are. Yeah. It's human nature. And the workaround for human nature is to, uh, get a better understanding of what things are going on at the worker level. So let's uh, let's jump into we're, we're at a thirteen minutes in. So let's jump into why county judge. Uh, that's a good question. I uh, I think we have in this country today a, a, a common problem at all levels of government. Actually, there's four common problems. One is the bureaucracy. That tends to be the worker bees in their management. Mm -hmm. Two is the establishment. Three is career politicians. And four is voter apathy. They're eating our country. They're all a cancer. But the cancer that the voter apathy feeds is the career politicians. Nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes. So why would I vote? The, the reason to vote is nothing will change if you don't vote. Nothing will change if you vote for the establishment candidate. What if uh, the establishment candidate is good and we like them? Nothing's going to change. Hmm. He may be a good guy, but what's going to drive him? He's going to be a career politician. And that means that he needs the support of the establishment. Here we call it the good old boys club in Johnson County, hmm. which is at the heart of the establishment. It's bigger than just that group. But you need their support in order to get elected. That's Most in, of the interesting. Time. Interesting you said that because when you brought that up on our conversation the other day, I, I mentioned that there's another city or two or three. It's actually kind of a lot of these cities around here. Um, I tried to have a few. Like there were some people like yourself trying to jump in and get into some change in some of these cities to become a council member or mayor. And and uh, what happened was that good old boy mentality of we've always we've been here for thirty years, so why would we do anything different? You know. Um, was frowned upon and the people who were trying to run in their city were kind of chewed out and spit out like like trying to change is the worst possible notion in the entire world mm -hmm. and it's all about like that you're saying the establishment the career politicians the ones who don't want to get these the new blood in in their city you know and I, it sounds like that's what's happening from your perspective at least it around is. here in it johnson is, county and it always has yeah when i was a child i remember my uh, dad talking with friends about the good old boys club. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can't beat them. You might as well join them. Uh, I'm just dumb enough, courageous enough, stupid enough to want to give the, the voters, the taxpayers, an alternative. And what is that alternative? That alternative is a professional management that I think we can, uh, uh, using some of the methods I've used in the past, we can run a more efficient, more productive environment in the county government. And that can result in less cost. So the, the and once you get less cost, that means you can cut taxes. But until you get the cost structure down, cutting taxes, the only way to do it is just, just cut them and have the fallout. I think that you can, uh, you hear a lot of these politicians talk about cutting the tax rate. And one of my opponents last night talked proudly about as part of the council cutting the tax rate mm -hmm. well you can cut the rate but the other side of that's the appraisal 
right? You can cut your tax rate 1%. Appraisal goes up 12%. You're still going to pay more taxes. Mm-hmm. How, how many it's, cities are in Johnson County? I don't know the exact count. Because you, you also put, you pay city and you pay county, right? That's right. And school district. And school district. And special use districts. So there's it's the county is not the only uh, taxing entity mm-hmm. here in the county. But this political sleight of hand, which I've heard from multiple candidates, we've cut the tax rate. I'll give you an example. Johnson County cut the tax rate half a penny. That's 1%. Their revenues are going to go up nearly 11%. Now, how do you do that if you cut the taxes? You didn't cut the taxes. You cut the tax rate. The mm. appraisals are the other side of that uh, formula. Mm-hmm. So the CAD determines the appraisals. The taxing entities don't, at least not directly. Yeah. Uh, so the only thing you can do is work on the tax rate. Now, I'm an advocate for getting rid of property taxes. Scrap the system. In fact, I'd like to see a constitutional amendment in Texas banning property taxes. That'd be nice. And if you do that, <laughs> you've got to replace it with something else. Yeah. And we can talk about how to replace that. But There's prop- 34 cities, by the way, in Johnson County. Yeah. Property taxes, in effect, you know, I'm an old guy, so I own my place mm-hmm. outright. I don't have a mortgage. We still pay but taxes. But I, I still pay the taxes. <clears throat> and if I don't pay the taxes, what happens? They evict me. They take Even though property. it's yours. They, they seize my yeah. property and they sell it. And so that says to me, it's kind of like renting my property that I paid for from the county. That's not right. Mm. That's simply not right. If I'm elected county judge, I'm going to be the strongest advocate in the state of Texas for eliminating property tax. I'm going to lobby for it with all the representatives in the legislature in Austin. In the meantime, we got to fix what we got. Mm. We can't eliminate property taxes in this county or in any county. That's what keeps the county government running. But we've got to find a way to run more efficiently, streamline our operations, get the cost down. You get the cost down, then you can start looking at lowering the actual taxes, not just the tax rate. What would you replace that revenue with? I've heard uh, a number of uh, people talk about their solutions i think the one i would lean toward right now is replacing it with a uh, consumption sales tax type of uh, replacement the other thing that does for you uh, every time you buy something you pay that sales tax mm-hmm. that that's like a paper cut right that it didn't do any real damage but it's painful enough you know that those are taxes from to the state or to the county um, and then uh, as opposed to paying that bill once a year. You pay it, you, you get it, you get the statement, you crab about it later in the year, you pay it, you suffer the pain, yeah. but uh, eventually the pain goes away, and then you forget about it. Now, this March 1 primary, I think some people are going to expect their tax bill from the county to go down a little bit because they've lowered the tax rate. When they get their tax bill in april or may their taxes will go up they're gonna go why the taxes go up if the rate went down well it's the appraisal it's political sleight of hand mm-hmm. right it's that's it seems like that's all politics is it's hey we're bringing this down but we're bringing this other one up now isn't that kind of what you just said though as well though like like i see i i like that you're trying to save money but by raising the tax of the sales tax wouldn't that pretty much take the exact same amount of money away from the consumer 
I think it would, but it starts to make it, uh, it changes the dynamics in that my house is not at risk. And I like in my case, mm-hmm. my taxes are frozen. I'm over 65, so I've got frozen taxes. It'll probably yeah. hurt me because I'll pay more sales tax, uh, probably more sales tax than I pay in property tax. But for the younger people, like my sons, it probably it might very well be beneficial. Hmm. But what I don't advocate is using that as a vehicle to raise taxes, but exchanging one tax system for the other. You think it would help the younger people by getting rid of the property tax, but increasing sales tax. And I guess my question for you, um, I think guys like myself, we're just kind of curious. We like, we want to save money. Like with the economy we have that has, that is happening right now. We just want to save money. We like for us, it doesn't really matter as much unless you can present a better argument. If it's property taxes or sales tax, if it's the exact same amount of money coming out of our pocket every day, you know, I see your point, you know, so I I get like, I like the idea of not having to worry about my, you know, home being taken away as well. But in the, in the long run, I'm kind of paying the same amount of money. Is there a way around that? Uh, I don't think you are in the long run. No, no. Okay. Tell me why. Because, uh, sales tax would be a fixed amount. Like right now that I think state sales tax six and a quarter percent, they haven't changed that. They haven't raised it. They have to live within the budget. They have, they know what their revenue is going to be roughly. They, they plan for that. They manage to that. That's what we need to have at the county level as well. Hmm. Interesting. And, and I don't think it's going to change until the taxpayers get involved. Taxpayer apathy, you know, the attitude of what can I do about it? I just have one vote. Uh, every vote counts. Everybody should vote. Our taxpayers don't know what's going on with the county. Uh, I've looked at the county website. I can't find any operational measurements that are being tracked uh that needs to happen in planning and budgeting how do you plan and budget if you don't have operational measures to track and try to improve upon Mm. if you don't have that that's called seat of the pants management and i can't find any evidence that there's any operational measurements being tracked so you've referenced a few times now about inefficiency in the in johnson county uh they're saying that you're gonna you're gonna kind of shore it up. You're going to make it way more efficient because that's what your track record is as well. Um, do you have some examples on what, on the inefficiency that has been occurring in Johnson County? I don't No, No, because it's a, it's a closed society. Mm. Nobody knows so what's going on. You're trying to figure out what, like hold people accountable as well. How do you find out what's going on until you get on the inside? Mm. That's the problem. You don't know what's going on. I've asked many taxpayers, do you know what's going on with the County? No. Do you know who your uh, precinct commissioner is? No. No one communicates to the taxpayers. Interesting. The one thing I'm going to do for those that are willing to participate, Mm -hmm. you can't make them, I will communicate. Uh, Email, newsletters, hopefully podcasts like this, Mm -hmm. town halls. We will talk if they want to talk. And that is the way you find out what they want, what they need, what their frustrations are, what they're disappointed with what they want to see changed. That desire is definitely there for that open communication, you know, but it's just not happening. Well, I have friends that actually say, no, it isn't. I had one tell me recently, taxpayers don't care. Nobody cares. I care. I know. And that's, I'm, I think I can speak for a lot of people my age is I care, 
But I see where that gap that we talked about the other day has occurred where, you know, if I care, that means I could actually have a voice in something, which means I could actually, my vote and my voice would count. But history has shown that it hasn't counted. It's never counted. Nobody gives a crap about what we say or do. Mm-hmm. It's really just the upper people in what, what are the city, the state, the nation, whatever it is, um, politicians just doing what they want. Just kind of just, we saying this and then doing this. That's because you talk to your friends, the, the elected officials talk to other elected officials and the bureaucrats. They, there's no communication. Yes. When's the last time the current county judge talked to you? When's the last time he was in a meeting and talked to the public? I don't know that it's ever happened. And that's not a bad mark on him. That's the way it's always been done. Yeah. Well, I want to break the mold. I want to engage the taxpayers. I believe there's pent-up frustration. I believe they they have things to say. Yeah. And there's nobody to listen to. So at that point, they won't listen to me anyway. Why should I bother to go vote? That's where the apathy comes in. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to break through that uh, barrier. And we'll see if I can. But what I will say to the taxpayers that are listening to this, if you vote for the other candidates, if you vote for the incumbents, you're voting for business as usual. Is every one of them business as usual? I think so. Yeah. And here's the reason. They're all going to want to get reelected. That's the squeeze that the club has on you. In order to get reelected, you're going to have to play our game. We'll squeeze you. We'll fund your campaign or help you fund your campaign. We'll get you exposure. But if you don't play the game, we'll find somebody else who will. That goes on in the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, in Washington, D.C., at the state level, they decide who's going to run, who they're going to support. And that's why these politicians tend to toe the line. Well, why am I different? Because I'm an old man. I don't need their money. I don't need the job. I'm not looking for a second career. I'm not a wannabe career politician. I don't care about that. All I care about is the taxpayers in this county and getting a fair shake for a change. And uh, I think I can do that and be the outsider that goes in and starts to break the log jam of the good old boys club. Yeah. It seems like you don't care about ruffling feathers, which well, I, don't. I like. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I wouldn't run for reelection, but in practice, I'm probably going to be a one term County judge. If I'm elected, there's things I want to accomplish. I will accomplish what I want to accomplish. That's kind of a big statement. A one term yeah. County judge. Yeah. But two year or four year, four year, four year. Can you explain what exactly a county judge is? From my perspective, a county judge is basically a mayor of the county. Their roles are very similar to what a mayor of a city is, except a Johnson County. It looks like we have about 34 cities within. So you're kind of doing a lot of administrative work um, within those 34 cities. The uh, county judge is kind of like the mayor and city manager wrapped into one role. Hmm. And it's not a judge judge. Like, it's not like it's not, a court judge. Well, it in the really small counties out west, yeah. it is. You know, you, uh, uh, it's it's not a judicial position because it does not require a law degree. doesn't require a law license. We have two county courts at law in Johnson County today run by very qualified judges. Anything the county judge does that is judicial in nature I would submit to you as usurping the responsibilities mm-hmm. of our county courts. Mm. 
in the bigger counties, as the county gets bigger, there's more demand for the administrative side. And therefore, I think the county judge is a chief administrative officer of the county. They're, they run the planning and budgeting, contract administration, HR, IT, those kind of mm -hmm. functions for the county. They are responsible for the departments that are not headed up by elected officials. Mm. So the sheriff runs the sheriff's department, the tax assessor runs his department, and so forth. Those are elected by the taxpayers. Uh, that is what's called a matrix organization. I've also worked in matrix organizations in leadership positions. What's that? A matrix organization? A matrix organization. Typically, you know what a hierarchical organization mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody's used to that. Mm -hmm. In a matrix organization, there are uh, people in positions of responsibility that don't report directly to you. You can't, you don't hire and fire. So hmm. you, you have to get people to work together. It takes some uh, diplomacy and tact. <laughs> uh, it takes being straightforward when necessary. It means you've got to know when to listen, when to talk. You've got to uh, be a diplomat in some respects but you've got to be a tough diplomat at times. Mm -hmm. And that matrix organization functions better when they have a person that can sort of, it's like coordinating an orchestra, I guess, mm -hmm. leading an orchestra. Interesting. It's, it's a much more difficult management proposition than being president of a company. And if I don't like the work you're doing, <laughs> I'll give you, you know, here's, here's what I need you to do. Yeah. And if you don't do it, well, you know, go, go find another job someplace else. Huh. You can't do that. The taxpayers elect these guys. And the hmm. taxpayers elect them without knowing how well their organizations are performing. Well, I'll bet voter turnout is very low too, as well, because again, all of the people around my age, uh, we just nothing's going to change. Like, why? Why would we vote? But that's why I'm having you on. That's why I want to hear about what you're doing to bridge the gap that's been occurring with uh, this lack of communication between a city's leaders and their the taxpayers and the citizens. We talked about town halls before, you know, this podcast hopefully is trying to bridge some of that um, town hall, take that town hall, which is basically that, that communicatory effect that yeah. cities are supposed to have with their people. But typically just a handful of people ever show up to town halls. So if we could transition to a, 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 a podcast, a town hall to a podcast or even a live event online, um, it would really, really help with some of these communication issues. I would, if I'm county judge, I would love to do a regular live podcast with call-ins. Yep. Uh, that would be uh, a, the digital form, the modern form of the town hall meeting. Yep. But you still have to have contact with people face-to-face. -face. Yes. And I think we might do some town halls or, you know, there, I could go to uh, – club meetings of different clubs they want to hear from the county judge i'd go to the club meeting i go to the uh, uh republican women's <clears throat> meeting if they wanted me to and i can speak to what's going on with the county and i can listen to what they have to say you know even the younger people though the whole i, I agree for me like i love my preference is to have these type of conversations right i'd rather have this type of conversation than a zoom meeting or a phone call mm -hmm. um the chemistry the vibes they're all it's a lot better um to understand somebody. However, that's not, that's actually not the majority of my generation. The majority of my generation, they're just like, yeah, a, a Facebook event or a live event or a town hall event online mm -hmm. is actually more conducive because I can just type because we, we've moved into that, that virtual world now where right. these face-to-face -face conversations aren't as important to the people of my age. And I recognize that. 
And I think uh, in order to reach all taxpayers, whether you're in your early 20s or you're in your 70s or 80s, uh, there are different uh, formats, mm-hmm. forums that you can use. I don't rule out any of them. That's good. This is my first podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm very much enjoying this. And uh, I would like to do more podcasts as county judge. That'd be awesome. Um, what is the role of the county judge in a pandemic? The county judge, uh, one of their responsibilities I did mention is uh, – heading up the emergency management part of the county. Uh, When you get into the pandemic, uh, the county judge and commissioner's court, now they preside over the commissioners. They chair the commissioner's court, kind of like chairman of the board. The uh, commissioner's court makes a lot of decisions, not the county judge. For example, burn bans in the Mm -hmm. county. That's commissioner. Mask mandates in the county. That would come from the commissioner's court, not the county judge. I personally am opposed to those kinds of things. I trust people to do what's right for them. I think what they need to do is be informed so they can make informed decisions. But I don't think government ought to be telling us how to live our life. Do cities look to the the commissioner's court and the county judge for their guidelines for something like this? I don't see any indication that's the case. Okay. I don't know. But I will tell you that I think we'll have a stronger county, not just county government, but a stronger county if as county judge i can get the cities to start collaborating as a group and that's something i would try to do i want the, the cities i want the uh, sheriff and police departments to uh, collaborate have regular meetings uh, meetings that i would sponsor not that i could add a whole lot necessarily <laughs> but do they do that now i i don't but know. you know that because you're not in the circle <laughs> right i'm not there uh, yeah. i I don't see any indication that that happens. Mm. Uh, I I have no idea what's going on with the county. Yeah. Zero. I I think when, you know, whether it's a a corporation, small businesses, or governments of any size, when there's teamwork and cooperation, things get done. And things get done the right way, typically. If there's, if everybody's going their own way, then uh, everybody's satisfying themselves, but there's no, uh, overall benefit to the bigger yeah. uh, group. Let me ask you this. What do you think in your opinion is the most important issue for Johnson County from the taxpayer's perspective? I'm a taxpayer. What do you think my f- biggest issue is? Probably lack of communication. You don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. That's, that my, is, that's my biggest issue. That's I don't know what's going yeah. on and I can't find out. As an old IT guy, I'm not very good <laughs> with current technology, but I can muddle around in a website. I've been on the county website. Uh, I've looked at treasurer's reports. I've seen expenditures, and I go, wow, what are they spending that money with that person for? Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, I think I know, because they're tapped into the good old boys club. The The club supports the cronyism. And that can, uh, that can be positive at times. It can be negative at times. But you have to be very careful about the cronyism. And... What is your definition of cronyism? Small circle of friends taking care of each other. Hmm. Right. The Central Appraisal District Board of Directors, half of them are drawing a paycheck from the county or retirement from the county. 
So they're going to do what the county says, is what you're saying? So, well, I don't know if they'll do what the county says, but they represent the county. You're saying know? that you told me earlier there's a, that you feel like that's a very deep conflict of interest. I do think it's a conflict of interest. And I believe that uh, uh, the taxpayers would be better served to have an independent, fully independent board of directors over the CAD mm. until property taxes are eliminated. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another big issue I saw that um, is plaguing my generation right now is home values. You know, mm-hmm. we, I, I, I sold a couple of houses. I'm a real, I'm a realtor as well, a real estate agent as well. And it was one of those side gigs things that I did. And, uh, finding homes for people of my age was almost impossible. I spent about nine months looking for one house for, for these, this, this couple I know. And they're through the roof. Astronomical. Affordability is a big issue. Is there anything that can be done on your level for affordable housing? Uh, I think you can encourage builders and developers to build more entry-level size homes. Uh, that would uh, help bring the prices down. Uh, there's nothing directly we can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on Planning and Zoning Commission for three terms in Burleson. Uh, it's one of the reasons I left Burleson. So all the apartments. I, I love the city. I love the city. It's a great town. Uh, a lot of real positives for Burleson. The one negative was the congestion. Mm-hmm. It just it's growing and growing. And uh, being retired, I, I don't have a lot of patience with congestion and lines. <laughs> so so we, I had Jimmy Stanford on. He's also he's a councilman now. Yeah, I and, Jimmy. Oh, you know Jimmy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had Jimmy Stanford on the podcast, and he was very against all the apartments that were going up. So he was trying to to, to curb some of that those uh, apartment rises that are happening because in his time as a de- as a detective in Fort Worth, he saw the apartments really change the dynamic of how the city of Fort Worth um, lived because too many apartments can can mess up some things. I I agree with him. I agree with so, him. Well, it, I, it's a uh, it, it's a it's a problem. The affordability issues being driven by people that are migrating to Texas. Uh, it's as well a, as big corporations. Big will, corporations are buying up neighborhoods. So now the competition is not just consumer to consumer. It's consumer to fighting against, you know, multi-billion dollar companies, I, which is extremely hard to deal with. I, I don't know much about that, uh, but, uh, and I'm not sure the county has any power to do anything mm. about it. Uh, but I do think that uh, between the county government and all the communities in the county, if we collaborate, we can f- start to find some solutions. I do agree that uh, uh, an overabundance of apartments is a problem. I do think you need to have some amount of apartments mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. for people that have that need. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the right balance is mm-hmm. on the planning and zoning in Burleson. Uh, I uh, saw the growth of the apartment. And, and arguments that we need it for young couples, young professionals out of college, can't afford a house yet. Uh, I'm sensitive to that, but at the same time, the congestion just grows and grows mm-hmm. and grows and other problems get brought in. Yeah. Uh, as, as our apartments, as apartments age, if the ownership doesn't keep them up, uh, they tend to breed, be hotbeds of, uh, uh activity for crime. Crime. Yep. And uh, so that that was part part of my concern. But in Burleson, the last year I was on the planning and zoning, the average size house in Burleson was over thirty three hundred square feet. <sighs> that is not an entry level home. Jeez, that's wild. 
3,300 square feet. So Burleson is growing into be to be a very affluent community yeah. with people commuting uh, into the downtown areas of Fort Worth and mm-hmm. Dallas. Uh, it's a great little town. Uh, it has been, The growth has been, I think, really well managed. Uh, I think Cleburne's doing a much better job of that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about the other communities in the county, but uh, it's something that's upon us, and I don't think we can stop it. So the question is, how do you, how do you constructively, effectively manage it? What else that you feel like somebody in Johnson County needs to know about you? You know, we talked about communication. We talked a little about your history. Um, you're trying to break up the what you call cronyism in Johnson County, the inner circle of good old boy, I scratch your back, you scratch my back with the taxpayers being left in the dust. That's what you're trying to uh, kind of break up. What else is, is vital and you think people need to know before they go out and vote? Because early voting is what, February 14th? or February, February 14th, yeah. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, let me just touch something we didn't talk about. Okay. The, the cronyism. There's something worse than cronyism. Need a break? Nope. Good. There's something worse than cronyism. That's corruption. Johnson County has not been corruption free. We had a county commissioner, I don't know what it was, 12, 13, 14 years ago, that uh, got caught spending county funds on his personal home, his pool. Oh, no. And uh, as I understand it, and I don't have, you know, a deep understanding, uh, once it was caught, the Texas Rangers were called in to investigate, and they found that he's taking kickbacks from companies he's doing business with as county commissioner. So we had a county commissioner that got a chance to go to jail, go to prison for a period of time. Nobody knows about that much because it it was not – how do you disseminate all that information? Absolutely. That is the danger of – having people in office for long tenures, they get a, a level of comfort. Uh, so are you going to vouch for term limits? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What's I, what, what do you think the, the term two, should be? Two terms. Two, that's it. two terms and go do something else. Right now, what we have on the court are guys that they retire from career number one. Now they're starting career number two mm-hmm. and they'll run, they'll serve two terms. They'll run for a third term. They might run for a fourth term. Until they get tired and they'll just say, okay, now I've got two retirements. Mm. Got my first retirement. Now I've got a retirement from uh, my government service. And personally, if I had my way, we'd get rid of all federal retirement plans and state retirement plans and county retirement plans, put them all on Social Security. Interesting. You know how quick they'd fix that Social Security problem? (laughs) If Congress Congress put them on Social Security, they will fix the problem. Mm. But they're not, they're not motivated to right yeah. now. That's, that's what I'm about, you know, uh, equity. Everybody should have an opportunity to achieve what they are able to achieve and what they're driven to achieve. Uh, everyone should be uh, treated the same. No uh, uh, special cases. Uh, uh, some things I've heard in the past are, you know, the, the buddy of the county commissioners, uh, his crew comes out and, uh, levels out their driveway out in the country because a lot of talent mines uh, nearly a quarter mile long. Mm. Uh, I had any county commissioners offering to come out and redo my driveway, <laughs> by the way. Probably won't. 
get, given the, yeah. my position on things, yeah. and that's okay because I don't want them to. Yeah. If they offered, I would say no. Uh, and uh, we've we've got to break the voter apathy. That is, yes. I think, the biggest issue. And if I can, I've got a quote here I'd like to share. Absolutely. With you. Uh, Leo Tolstoy, one of the 20th century uh, great novelists, was uh, a Russian. And he was there during the Bolshevik Revolution. Mm. So here's, here's what he wrote. The power of government rests on ignorance of the people. Mm. And it knows this. And therefore, will always resist enlightenment. In other words, we don't want the people to know. So basically what we're doing right now. <laughs> exactly what, what's going on right now in the county. In, in the county and in the state. Yeah. And I think less so in Washington, D.C., but even to a degree mm. there. To the extent... The media uh, supports one party or the other, one candidate yeah. or another, and they shape their stories to fit the narratives. We're not getting real news, and that's that happens pretty much at all levels of government. I like that quote. I do too. That's I thought really that was cool. great. When I read that, I thought, "Oh, hmm. that it, yes, that's Johnson County right there." Interesting. I, I think that people forget how, like, when we look at politics and look at government. Uh, it's so easy to just focus on what's happening in Washington, right? Mm -hmm. The president, you know, Congress, it's all just, just a joke, especially that. Um, and just kind of leave it by the wayside. But if we're looking at things that are going to drastically impact our daily lives, the local politics are what's going to matter most. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do here. Trying to have you guys like you on. To if, understand. You, if you want to go talk to president Biden, good luck. <laughs> if you want to go talk to the county judge, certainly if I'm county judge, set up an appointment. We'll sit down and talk. Well, the things that affect your daily lives are things like taxes, like your local and uh, state taxes, things taxes, that you can go talk to somebody about. Taxes, law enforcement, uh -huh. public safety. Yep. Those are all the things the county has primary responsibility for. And there's only a handful of people who are allowed, the loud minority, right? The ones that are going to the all the town halls or they're really involved in the politics. Right. But re in reality, most people aren't involved because, one, it takes too much time. It's not convenient. And nobody's actively trying to talk to people about what's going on around them. Yeah. And so I, I like that that's what you're trying to do. Well, the establishment here, I think, consists of, I'll describe it this way. You've got the, the club at the heart. Mm -hmm. You've got a circle around them I call the inner circle. They're the influencers. Then you've got another circle kind of around that, what I call the wannabes. They want to be part of the inner circle. They want to be part of the establishment. So they carry water for her, they help, they support, they work in campaigns, they put signs out, they donate money. They're trying to get their guys elected so they can get to the inner circle and maybe someday get into the club. Interesting. I don't care to be in the club. No. I don't Do you care think to that's everybody circle. though? In, in, no. uh, because there's, I've, no. I've had great conversations with, I'm going to be honest with you, like Scott Kane, the Cleveland mayor. I've had two podcasts with him. Um, he seems to be very forthcoming in what's going on in the city government within Cleburne. Mm -hmm. Um, his handling of the pandemic of like everybody, it's 50, 50, 50% of people are pissed. The other 50 are just happy with what we'll all get out. Um, guys like him seemingly are, I don't feel like are necessarily part, maybe I'm just ignorant, but it seems like he's not a part of that. And, and because he's, he is trying to, I see his posts on Facebook and his communicatory effects, um, even via the podcast that I've had with him, uh, do the exact opposite of what. Um, the seemingly that cronyism is granted. Uh, maybe there's a lot of things I don't know, but I think that it's hard to 
like those blanket statements are very difficult to say. I agree that there's probably there's probably some sort of inner circle there that's happening, and um, I don't know the names, or I don't want to know the names. <laughs> uh, I think it's less of a problem at the community level, and the reason is those guys don't get paid. Mm. The county judge has a, a paycheck that comes. The commissioners have a paycheck that comes. That's a good point. And uh, once you get in political office and you're you get paid, that becomes your career. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, I'm not giving this up. Our current county judge is in his 27th year in office right now and will be 28 when he leaves. Or he's actually into his 28th year. Seven terms. Mm. Now, he's a friend of mine. He's a good guy. He's a good Christian. But that's too long. Mm. That's too long for anyone. And I, I don't think it's uh, – uh, People like that don't think about it a whole lot, but I think it does start to affect. I do know that in one instance, he flipped a vote to get along with the good old boys, mm. with the commissioner's court. Interesting. Because he, he told me adamantly he was this way. And then later I asked him, I said, well, how'd you vote? He said, I voted for it. And I said, why would you vote for something you're against? He said, well, I want to get along with it. He Interesting. Said, he said, unity on the commissioner's court is important. I think professionalism I've worked with people, boards of directors, mm -hmm. executive committees. We didn't always agree, but we respected one another. And uh, sometimes things went my way, sometimes they didn't. And that was not only okay, that's the way it ought to be. But when you've got this uh, dynamic in place that you got to go along to get along or you don't get reelected, that becomes a cancer in our local government. I see that. I see that big time. Well, we've talked about a lot. Um, you've had some very interesting things to say. Um, any final words, any last words before we wrap up? Well, I would say that uh, you, the taxpayers here have an opportunity in this election to vote for an outsider who will work for change, productive, constructive improvements in the county government, or they can vote for business as usual. It's up to the taxpayers. If they don't vote for me, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm retired. And I'm very comfortable. My investments are doing well. Yeah. I'll go back to you know, riding my motorcycle, <laughs> flying my plane, and having fun. Yeah. If uh, if they want some change, I'm your guy. I'll do it. That's amazing. And I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Oh, absolutely, man. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much. All right, bye. All right.